0: Thank you all for bearing with us at the beginning there. Um, My name is Roger Savage. I'm a development officer at SAVS here in Southend, and we co-host these meetings with the council public health team and CCG. We are recording the session this evening so that we can share it with those that couldn't join us. If you take part in the session and you'd like us to edit you out, that's not a problem. If you can just let us know in the chat, we can take you out of any release. The, excuse me, the structure of the session today um, will be that we hear an update from Krishna, who's the Director of Public Health in, here in Southend. And then we'll open up to some conversation and questions. And I can see that we've already got a list in the chat ready for Krishna there. Um, so thank you for that. I'm being supported today by colleagues from the council and public health team. So if you can just give a wave as I say your name, we've got Simon. Hi, Simon. Emma. Hi, I met Emma. Kelly. You've all met. And we're also joined by Steph as well. So if it's okay, Krishna, I'll hand over to you. Oh, there's Steph. Hi, Steph. If it's okay, Krishna, I'll hand over to you for your update.
1: Lovely. Thank you, Roger. And my apologies, everyone. Uh between- was, uh, uh tried to deal with uh, an urgent call, uh, so I'm uh, running a bit late as a as a result. I am also have to keep an eye on, on my phone on the side because there is a full council meeting tonight, uh, just in case there is anything I need to uh, advise and respond on. Uh, so just a quick update uh, where we are and what's the next steps for us um, so people are, uh, get the journey where we are. But I think mainly why, why we are here is to give people an opportunity to and ask us questions and hopefully we were able to answer those uh, or, or be able to go away and bring answers back uh, uh, via Roger and colleagues who are helping us um, uh, run these sessions uh, in the evening. Uh, so first of all, uh, the, the rates um, have um, uh, come down now to about 55 per 100,000. So uh, that's good. We were hoping it will be below that uh, at this time uh, of, uh, of the year and um, the challenge has been that we have seen a few additional cases. And most of the uh, wards are seeing um, their rates going down um, uh, you know, pretty much at a, at a good pace, a good rate. And there are one or two areas where we are exploring those to better understand uh, why those rates are slightly higher than than they, they should be at this, at this stage. Uh, what is good though is we know that um, with, uh, with the support we've had from the community, in End. and um, we've done really well in bringing the rates down in this lockdown. Uh, been very successful lockdown really, it's just over two years uh, tomorrow that we went into lockdown on the 5th of January and um, so you know it's it is really uh, we need to congratulate each other really on, on our ability to work together to get to that place and all the webinars I've held with different community groups you know businesses, the schools, uh, and working with you guys uh, in the community as well to understand what we need to be doing, what else we should be doing and what uh, we should be exploring as we go forward. Um, so the, um, the admissions obviously has dropped uh, quite a lot in the last week or so and we're hoping that's going to carry on for the next two weeks, which means that means uh, we're in a better place. Our hospital are starting to uh, bring back uh, some of those uh, uh, surgeries that should have been uh, taking place anyway, but obviously without enough intensive care beds, um, which then puts a lot of pressure on your ability to actually run uh, what we would normally say uh, booked uh, elective um, surgery. Uh, So that's really good news. And um, while people are staying in hospital longer with COVID to recover, uh, and obviously the the improvement in technology is helping save a lot more lives. uh, That obviously means they they occupy these uh, intensive care beds a bit longer than, than we would have seen in the past. But at least the good news is, uh, you know, most people recover and are able to return home as opposed to their families. Uh, So the strategy for us going forward. So um, we've been requested um, uh, by the end of March to uh, produce a uh, a refresh of what um, some of you would know as the Local Outbreak uh, Control Plan, uh, which is on uh, our website. Uh, We tend to refer to that as the uh, uh, LOCP. Uh, this was agreed back in june following the uh, the contained framework so containing the, the spread of the pandemic was published in june and um, we've refreshed it throughout and the main refresh in september um, has taken on board a number of changes in the guidance obviously a lot of the guidance have changed we've learned a lot more about um, the disease we are learning more about um, the new variants of concern as they're called and uh, and what we now need, need to do is refreshed that into an outcome um, and sorry an outbreak management plan because we are now moving to that phase where we're trying to embed it in the uh, the way we we operate now while we are managing it we are waiting for um uh, or supporting the delivery of the vaccination program alongside that uh, what's going to be very critical is the the work that you know uh, me and a lot of my colleagues are responsible for is uh, the continuous Surveillance that we that takes place at different levels of the community uh, to understand if there are any risk of outbreaks or if there are any uh, variant of concerns uh, that we should be uh, mindful of in terms of the ability for that to spread very quickly. Um, So we're learning from others where they've had some of those variants, uh, what the actions have been. Uh, We've just had a regional meeting um, between the data's public health, public health England, and the national. Uh, test, test and trace uh, assurance team uh, to discuss the approach. And uh, week, next week at the Health Protection Board, uh, we're going to agree the approach that we take in responding to any variants of concern if that should happen in, in South End. So, so, the good news for us is the vaccination program has been going uh, very well. Um, as at uh, Tuesday, we said had not a chance sorry, to look at the data today. We had achieved just over 37% of the eligible population uh, being uh, vaccinated, uh, which is at par with the national position currently. Um, There's going to be an increase in um, uh, supply of vaccine after this week, Uh, so that's really good for us, that'd be good news because we are hoping to run the the larger vaccination centre at the Cliff uh, Pavilion, uh, more on a seven day basis, obviously with, with limitation on, on vaccine supply. Uh, we, we knew this was happening because of some issues with production uh, during uh, the early part of February. Um, so uh, that will help us uh, accelerate the programme, but nationally, you know, um, over 21 million uh, vaccines have already been uh, undertaken, which is you know really, really impressive if you think we only started in the second week, um, at the end of the second week of, uh, of December. So, so the plan for us in terms of management now of the outbreak is uh, to push for um, a, um, and encouraging more people to continue testing using the fast test, the uh, lateral flow device (LFD) testing. So we are we continue to support the three sites we have. We've opened um, a, an additional site at Garons for for the schools' children to be tested, and uh, we are supporting some of the schools where they've uh, struggled to set up their own testing facilities. Uh, with support from St. John's Ambulance, we're able to deploy for, uh mobile units in those schools from Monday uh, to support with the testing. Obviously with testing, you know, testing is voluntary, just, you know, there's a lot of vaccine, is, is, there's nothing, uh, it's not a requirement, you know, it's not an imposition. Uh, for us, it's a tool, uh, it's the most effective tool to prevent the spread of the virus and certainly if uh, we then, uh, you know, pick up any positives, we're able to identify whether we need to check for those positives. Uh, for any new variants as well, so it's uh, it's something that is important as part of my role as data public health to keep the surveillance going. So we are inviting all um, school age children. Um, so primary school children will not to be tested in school uh, It's far difficult to, to, to difficult to do that. Uh, so what we're doing is we're using our own uh, LFT facilities in the communities uh, to encourage uh, as many uh, school age children and their families. To have a test, so that when we go back to school, if anybody is asymptomatic, they're carrying the virus without knowing, then we reduce the risk of that spreading further. Because you know, the last thing we want is a uh, uh, fall into another potential risk of, uh, of lockdown. We are just starting to come out of it uh, with the announcement of the national roadmap and, and getting children back into school. Because you know, we need to make sure they uh, they are able to recover and get back into their education system. Uh, in a po- much positive way and with minimal disruption. So the more we can do around uh, the testing, the least disruption there will be further for the rest of the year. Uh, so, as you know, the roadmap takes us to roughly about the, uh, the end of June, uh, which, by which time we will have ex- ex- exited, hopefully, uh, all the restrictions from lockdown. Um, There'll be some measures that we feel in in public health that we need to keep an eye on in terms of how effective they would be to prevent um, uh, the virus uh, hitting us when it starts getting cold. As you know, virus tends to hit us in autumn and and winter time. So, you know, we've been very good at um, adopting the uh, hands, face and space. uh, While we will be looking at uh, easing some of those um, going forward, I think there is, for everyone here, a, uh, an opportunity to think about, you know, how best you utilize those in the future to, to better prevent uh, any uh, potential risk of any new infection uh, emerging from any new variants that may, may appear as we go forward. Uh, so, so, yeah, so this is a plea. Please um, encourage everyone, you know, uh, your family, your friends, your community, your communities to, to try and support us with, with the testing as much as possible going forward. So I will, I will pause there and uh, i be more than happy to take any questions with my colleagues around the table as well. So I'm trying to rem- remember the names you mentioned now, but I've got loads of colleagues here who uh, can uh, answer questions that I, I may not know. Thank you, Roger.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much for that, Krishna. lots of positives in there. And I think that's testament to all the work that you and your team have been doing. So thank you very much. Um, You'll see that in the chat as Krishna mentioned we've got lots of colleagues on the call they'll be putting useful information in there for you all as we go through and then we'll make sure that we send an email out after this session to you all so you've got a copy of that useful information. We'll we'll move on to the questions now and our first question Krishna Krishna is from Lindsay heard from South Essex property services who asks. Can you provide some advice for those concerned about the vaccine for young females and implications for t- fertility? Any information for reassurance would be beneficial. You're on mute, Krishna.
1: Sorry, I should know this. Uh, you had to get me today, Roger, didn't you? Uh, so um, you know the, the the famous line, isn't he? You're on mute. Is it going to be something we're going to remember from this. So, um, so one thing is, uh, back in September, uh, there were some queries raised around this and there has been some further uh, uh, work done uh, in terms of understanding uh, why those were raised by some uh, other scientists who were not part of the uh, vaccine development programme. And, uh, and I think we received confirmation in November that uh, from uh, those uh, scientists involved in the development of the five vaccines uh, because there are just there are six vaccines but there are five that are being used um, across the world currently and um that there is no risk at all to fertilization there is no known uh, perception that this is going to be something that will impact on, on fertilization whatsoever and uh, and actually we, we went further to say for those people who sometimes will suffer from um uh, what we call anaphylactic shocks. So it's, it's when you, um, you, you may uh, react to a vaccine or any other medication uh, in a severe way. Uh, actually, uh, they, they, they went on to confirm that there were very few people in those groups as well uh, in, in the testing areas that, uh, that suggested the, uh, the, the level is uh, very minimal and it is based on clinical advice. As to what you do but in regards to fertility there is absolutely no reason to have any any concern whatsoever
0: that's great thank you krishna and i can see you nodding there lindsay so
1: i hope that was yeah hello thanks krishna for that that's really helpful if there's any um links to any sort of literature that you could put in the chat that'd be really better than official please roger
0: yeah no problem and we'll make sure if we don't have them now for you lindsay that we'll follow up with you after the call
1: Yeah, that's great. Thanks very much.
0: No problem. Good question. The next question we have is from Emily. Do you think it is too early for children to be returning to school?
1: Uh, No, it is not. I think we need to balance the view of where we are. We always say um, our approach will be based on data. And um, the level of um, the rate, as I said, is 55 per 100,000. If it was above 100 per 100,000 by the time we get back to school next week, I would have been uh, in the space where I would have pushed back on our school going back. So what we are trying to do is um, try to encourage um, a, a phased approach to some of the return. And I'll be, we've been having uh, holding webinars with the head teachers on that. And a number of the schools are going to implement a phased return. So we don't have, like you say, you know, a, a huge crowd turning up at the same time in school. So obviously by everybody getting a test before school, including those who will turn up on the first day on the 8th, where uh, some of the additional facilities in school will only start on, on Monday, uh, then uh, we will be able to break any potential risk there by having a test before they start. So remember, they're going to have three tests in the first um, uh, 12 days of being in schools. And then thereafter that you will have access to uh, testing kits that you can either ga- gather or collect from the, uh, the current sites uh, in, um, in, in, uh, in South End or for children, they will be receiving them directly from school and they can just pick them up and take them home. So the view is until we finish vaccinating everyone twice, which as you know, the plan is to try and do this by no later the end of August, then uh, what we would like to do is ensure that we carry on testing as long as possible uh, so that view is currently being held, that at least until the end of June, we will be testing at, uh, well, uh, enabling testing at home at least twice a week, so we can stop any risk of high rising rates in any other areas. So if you are aware, there are one or two regions currently where rates are still high and some areas, they are going up. Uh, this is indicative already in some of the uh, information we received this week, that there are a lot of communities uh, that are already, already starting to mix. Because they they thought the roadmap, uh, the the announcement of the roadmap means oh well you know lockdown is coming off now, But that is not something we we should take easy. It is a phased approach to us returning back to the whatever normal is. You know I've accepted normal is a new normal. You know um, I spent too much time ordering all my stuff by online these days. I've forgotten what a shop is like. so I probably yeah, going to struggle with that. Uh, but it's it is it is about balancing that and making should we do that? So returning to school is very important. You know, we've got three elements of public health uh, practice that we need to be looking at. My main role in this pandemic was to advise and support around health protection. My subsequent role now would be advising on the return, safe return of education, And uh, the uh, the economic uh, recovery that is required, because without all this, you know, it will have a huge impact on everyone in the community. So we need to do those safely. So this is why we are very supportive of the roadmap, because we feel uh, that um, the government have listened to the public health argument and the advice we have provided in the past.
0: Thank you, Krishna and for your question, Emily. The next comment is from Peter Lovett from Shubri Residents Association, who says it would be nice if we could have some way of advising our members when Shubri Salvation Hall is open for vaccines. It is the most common question on our Facebook page.
1: Yes, an interesting one, have I got anyone from the NHS here today? We haven't unfortunately Krishna. So, so this, as I said earlier, the, the, the most important thing is, is to go on the, uh, one of the websites. I think it's the Sx COVID vaccine website. Um, and they're trying to keep it as up to date as possible. And uh, I do tend to feedback onto, onto the, uh, those who are running those two websites. There's one with EPUT, uh, the, the, the main uh, lead provider of the service, uh, and also the NHS have got their website, which is the Sx COVID vaccine to make sure we put as much as we can on there in terms of what's happening. But I'm hoping now with the announcement that we are going to get additional uh, vaccine uh, being delivered from next week, that we are going to see these vaccine vaccination centers open pretty much uh, seven days a week. So uh, hopefully that is something we will achieve soon.
0: Thank you, Krishna. And Peter, we've, we're holding a session with the members next week as well, aren't we? to hopefully address any additional questions. Yeah, Peter, we can come to you.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks, Roger. Yeah, we are holding at the meeting. i just explain what the, what the problem's been is the Salvation Army Hall opened um, at the beginning and it was excellent. I mean, everyone said how oh, fabulous it was. Their parking for disabled. It's right next door to Asda. So they could park in a 600 car park space, no problem then it's suddenly closed and what's been happening is people are going on the, um, onto the sites that Simon's given us and then booking, say, at the Cliffs because it's the only one open and then finding out Salvation Army is then open and then changing their, their booking to Salvation Army but then being unavi- unable to cancel at the Cliffs and it's just causing so much confusion and what i'm worried about more more than anything is that people are not turning up at the cliffs when they've got um injections ready for people there and then it's obviously either going to be wasted or given to other people so that's been a problem is this constant open monday tuesday close wednesday close thursday open friday open sunday it's it's just been um a a mixture of just opening and closing all the time so um But we can put it on Facebook if we know it's closing, we can say to people, it's not gonna be open, don't go there. Um, But we can't do that. At the moment, I've stayed out of it because we've got nurses at the the Salvation Army giving advice, we've got people who are going there giving advice and it's getting just so confusing. That's that's the whole point of it. But anyway, thanks Roger, I know we've got another meeting uh, next week.
1: Yeah, Peter, thank you for that Peter. Uh, so, Peter, one, one other thing I should say is, as you know, there are two, as I said this before, there are two um, booking systems currently. One is managed through the GPs locally and one through the uh, the central office, which is what we call the SWIFT system. Uh, so what has been decided now is going forward uh, since I think it was the beginning of last week, uh, they're going to change the system. So only you can only book through one system or the other. So what's been decided is what GP's group will be inviting and what the national team will be inviting. So the national team will invite people to either go to the hospital centre or mainly to the click centre. And, uh, and the other groups will be only be invited by, the, uh, by the, uh, the GPS so that there is no confusion, that you're not being asked to book on another system to do that. So I think we need to make that clear. And I think what we need to do as well is um, get some of my colleagues to find a way to communicate to groups like yourselves so we can keep you up to date on the best way that you can advise people as well. I think what we also probably need to think about uh, talking to the team here is about um, the helpline, how we make sure that is also uh, being fed into the helpline so people can uh, use that as a means to check what they need to do. It's very confusing, Peter, I totally agree with you. It has been very difficult. We have fed it back several times. Thank you, Peter.
0: Krishna, um, Kelly managed to feedback some comments on this question from Jackie, but I'll also just read it to you in case you have anything to add. Um, parents of primary school children would like a more rigorous regime of testing for their children, rather than being told to take them to a test centre to be regularly tested. They would like home testing kits and advice as to how often to do this.
1: Yeah, so um, so I... Um, I've got to work within the guidance that is um, given to us. And I think um, Kelly was trying to say that, put that point to you guys as well. Um, I, I do sometimes um, try to take the guidance and enhance it as much as I can uh, without causing too much pain to everybody around me uh, because it's, uh, it can be challenging. And, uh, and the fact that we've actually got four Mobile units in the schools is actually technically against national guidance, according to, to, to our colleagues in the Department for Education. However, we went against it because we thought that was the best thing to do to support the schools because that was a request. Um, so, nationally, um, despite my perception on it, and this is my perception as a public health, having requested um, and asked uh, for the direction travel around the north to 10 and um, the position had been that uh, they, they, they don't seem to be spreading the virus uh, as readily as older age groups. Uh, I, however, my, my, my view based on the data we've collected locally, especially when uh, we ask for testing to be done um, in, in December, we ask people to take their school age children to get tested. And if you look at our rates at the time for those between the age of five and 11, they were quite high uh so i i understand the 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 way that the national advisory group sage looks at, at it is that it's um they they deem those um the, the use of the test to be not very acceptable to young people well i'm talking young children here the are not to not to um uh, say not to 10 but that's the group it is but it's more like the four to 11. so they, uh, so they are not advising that uh, we, we test people systematically, but we've made a decision in South End that we have opened three LFT sites and we would like to encourage parents who want to test their children to go and do that. And you know, we are the only site, only any place in the country that has got LFT site that you can walk into, you don't have to book to go to. Right. So I couldn't have made it more easier. It is against the National Gardens to have a open access uh, uh, clinics. The only risk to that uh, is um, obviously we can have too many people turning up and all that. We've managed it over a week, uh, back uh, in the second week of January, and uh, sorry second yeah, second and third week of January. We, uh, we didn't have an issue with managing that, we've put in um, some additional marshal to support it, but we haven't had any issues so I don't see any reason why I should move to a booking system. So that's the best I can do at this stage and if it does change then um, anything that gives me an opportunity to do something better uh, I will do it, but I've got to be mindful. While I've got a lot of authority under the pandemic to implement what is required for my community, uh, I've got to be careful not to cause confusion by going too far outside the guidance, because it would cause confusion outside my boundaries. So I've got to balance those views as well. That's great. Thank you, Krishna, and for your question, Jackie.
0: The next question is from Brian in relation to medium and long-term effects of the vaccination, vaccinations. Um, He asks, I understand that there is a reporting agency called LHRA, are these reports of after effects made public?
1: Local Resilience Health Forum, is that what you're referring to?
0: Brian, are you able to ask your question or clarify
3: for us? It may be incorrect on the LHRA. It seems to be a reporting body in the United Kingdom, um, which um, has information about after effects of vaccinations. It's very similar to one in the United States called VAERS. So I hope that um, helps you Krishna.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, so what was the question? Sorry, what was the question? Yeah. Brian, do you yeah. want to ask your question please? Yeah.
3: Yes, there's a concern regarding the medium long-term effects of the vaccinations because this is an experimental vaccination. also understand that the vaccination producers do not have any liability for any after effects in in years to come and also I'm concerned as well um, about that aspect of it. But there is a reporting agency in the UK which does um, detail, apparently, the after effects, as well as one in the United States, but I think the LHRA may be not quite correct.
1: Yeah, so, I, yeah, so, so all pharmaceutical um, uh, products uh, have got to be reported in terms of any um, uh, adverse effect you have from it. Uh, as you, you rightly pointed out, it, it, is, uh, it is a mandatory requirement. Uh, so this is why um, everyone who goes for a vaccine will be asked to stay behind for a recovery period normally up to 15 minutes, because if there's a reaction, you need to immediately respond, uh, sorry, um, provide that uh, response to, to the national body. Uh, there was uh, some reaction, and then you need to give a lot of information about any underlying causes or not, uh, present in that person all the time. Um, so what um, we, we get to carry on uh, reviewing those positions. So you have to remember when the vaccine, when, when we push for the production of the vaccine, normally you go through four stages of preparation, and um, the, uh, the, f- the final stage normally takes uh, up to uh, three years uh, to, uh, to potentially uh, produce a vaccine. Where we were is um, the global effort that was put together. Instead of being competitive uh, between agencies, it became a global approach. And um, obviously, two main routes of the vaccine production were put forward for the, for the scientists to consider. And, um, you know, whilst it would have been easier for us all to have one vaccine rather than wait and do two vaccines, it was deemed to be safer to have a lower dosage of the vaccine based on the production of those, so that actually if there were any uh, risk to them, they are minimal and they are reduced. So they've gone for the lower risk uh, approach, which means obviously it costs more money, because obviously you need to have two vaccines, you may need to have boosters, so we are all preparing for the potential that there might be a 6 or a 12 month booster required um, so it doesn't uh, really um, uh, make it any easier for us because then we we have to have those if uh, if we want to uh, to remain uh, free and, and and be have the right level of immune uh, response to it now there is at this stage it's going to be almost impossible uh, since the vaccine is been in place we know the first vaccine that was released uh, but in uh, uh, early October uh, was the uh, Sputnik vaccine, the Russian-made vaccine, was the first one to be uh, to be uh, used. Uh, it will probably take one to two years to fully understand the impact of that. Uh, so, you, if you go with the view that you're going to let the the, the 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 challenge that we were facing with the ill health and the mortality with this virus to carry on and wait another two or three years before you implement an action it's best to go with the best approach. And the best approach was to go for a low dosage. use an approach where you may need to use it several times, while you also continue to explore and learn from, uh, and study, I should say, uh, uh, the impact of the, of, the, of the vaccine over a period of time. Like any other vaccines, we know um, we've been successful in understanding the technology of previous vaccines, and they have been based on that. And we know there is no other vaccine that causes any long-term effect on on our community so we are hoping that would be the case as well but you know there is there is also a bit of unknown and we're going to have to wait and see how that uh, transpires at the end i'm just being honest with you about about how it is
0: thank you krishna and there is a a follow-on question from brian um who says it appears that the Pfizer vaccine is more suitable for older people than the astrazeneca one re safety and after effects is there any proof of this
1: no, I, I don't think there is any proof. I mean, surprisingly enough, um, the, um, some of the European countries have made a choice not to give the Pfizer vaccine to those over 65. Actually, the WHO have stepped in to say there is no evidence for that, uh, and the fact that we didn't trial it on older people is because there was fewer people who would have volunteered that group that did not have underlying health conditions that we would have been able to trial the vaccine on. But on the basis of how they did the trial, there was no risk for that. And you've already seen some of the study coming out of Scotland, clearly indicating there's been no negative impact on those who've been vaccinated. And in addition to that, up to 82% uh, reduction in hospital admission and in health uh, has, has resulted as a result of the first vaccine, not even the second dose of the vaccine. So that to me is indicative that we are in a very, very good place in terms of the vaccination program.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Krishna. And for your questions, Brian. The next question is from Megan, who asks, given that parent and child groups may be able to return from April the 12th using indoor venues, what is your opinion on these types
1: of groups returning to face to face delivery? I think um, I would say we, we're going to have to keep using our approach as much as possible, you know, the hands facing space. If we keep to this while everybody is waiting for, uh, for to get their second second vaccine, um, we will reduce any risk of, of cross con- contamination or transmission in those areas. I think you know we we got to balance out the well being uh, of of the community. We can't keep living in restrictions. You know we 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 are uh, a, a group of of, of in the animal kingdom who need to live in groups and need to have uh, interactions. So we need to do everything we are doing as safely as possible. And the vaccine is starting to help us with that. I, I call it opening the window for the time being. And uh, we will be op- seeing the door opening when, when we see more people in the higher, uh, the higher risk groups having had their second dose, which is really going to be around the end of May. So that's why I was saying the roadmap taking us to the end of June is going to be ideal in enabling a very smooth, but staged transition out of lockdown while people start interacting more positively. I, I suspect my personal view is I'm probably going to end up being retaining some of those values in terms of what I learn around social distancing. Uh, with you know I, I'll probably have a very small group of people who I'll be happy with, uh, with mixing because I will know them well enough. I'll be seeing them more enough, more more, more regularly. Um, but I had this conversation with my brothers and sisters. And, uh, one lives in Surrey and the other one lives in London. And because we don't really see each other a lot, uh, we, we used to see, uh, until uh, the, all this started, we used to see each other once every uh, three or four months. And um, we we have said it's going to be much more difficult for us to do that. And um, so even when we met um, in, 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 in September, uh, nobody was kissing or hugging or we, we were still just fist bumping. And we've just accepted that's the way it's going to be. You know, uh, and and I've taken it as I accept there's a new way of living for myself, And I think this is going to be difficult for everybody to to find what is going to work for them. Uh, But you've got to do it safely and you've got to choose what is going to be best for you. Thank you, Krishna.
0: We do have quite a few questions left, Krishna. So as much as I don't want us to rush through them, we may need to just pick up the pace a little bit, if that's okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm late, so I'm happy to be detained. Okay, we'll order the
0: pizzas in, if someone can, give Domino's a call. The next question is from Brian. Is it necessary or advisory to have a COVID test prior to vaccination?
1: Um, well, if, if you feel the need to do so, why would you want to do that? So I'll give you an example where I would want to do it. If I've been out to the shops a few times, and um, I feel I may have been exposed uh, one way or the other, uh, then I would probably consider thinking, well, I'm going to to the vaccination centre, maybe I should just uh, do a quick LFT test uh, on that thing. So it is an individual decision as to why you feel the need for you to do that. But what I have invited people to do, certainly between now and the end of June, is try and do a test as uh, regularly as you can. So currently I am doing one every fortnight because I, to be honest with you, I don't even get out most of the time. Um, and by ideally, if we can do once every week, if you're out and about on a regular basis, then I would advise you to do that and carry on doing that. Rather than thinking um, that there's a risk, consider where you've been and whether you have to have a test and whether it will help you do that.
0: Thank you, Krishna. The uh, next comment is I'm afraid I don't know your real name. I've got you down as Galaxy Tab. Um, I had first jab a week ago today at Shrewbury. Exceptionally well organised. The professionals and volunteers were excellent. One concern, however, was a care home worker escorting some vulnerable adults. She was not wearing her mask correctly, i.e., covering her mouth, only potentially putting all around at risk. Can anything be done about this?
1: Well, I think it's everybody who is working with people who are vulnerable. Uh, We regularly write to all these um, care providers uh, and and make it quite clear that uh, you must wear your uh, protective equipment correctly and rightly so. It should be and um, and I think if um, if you know where they where they were working or you know any other information, you know that you could share with us they'll be happy to um, actually um, investigate that uh, in the appropriate way, because we should not be if you're working with people vulnerable, you should not be putting them at risk.
0: Thank you Krishna and i'm sure one of the team will put in an email address into the chat which is the best way to contact krishna's team, so thank you for those comments. Um, Next up is from Sally. A friend was asked by a nurse at the Cliffs yesterday to spread the word as very few people were there. But you can't log on until your year of birth is included. She was told not age restricted but can't log on. What year is being able to book now? So I think the question is, um, which age groups are able to access the vaccinations?
1: Uh, I believe we are doing, so this is, you're, you're testing me now. I, I need to check whether we've already gone in the group below, because we were doing the 60 and 65. I know that it was announced last week that those, um, the, the five year age below that, 60 to 65, um, is the next one we are pushing through. So, sorry, between 65 to 69, and 60 to 65 was the current group. I know we are in the current group, which is group six in, 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 on, the, uh, on the ladder. Uh, because I've received uh, uh, my own um, invitation, not because of my age, by the way, uh, because I'm in the clinically uh, vulnerable group, um, uh, which is also fitting in group six. So so I, I think that's where we are, but I'm, I'm, I would need to check that. I'm going to ask one of my colleagues to quickly check where we are while we're on the call. Brilliant. Thank you, Krishna. Um, a
0: question from Sally next. Can you have your second vaccine at a different venue from the first?
1: Uh, yes, you can, but I don't think you will. So part of that discussion I was referring to earlier about where you book and where you go. Uh, so, so first of all, if you've been to say, I don't know, the argument's sake, you've been to Shubri Health Center uh, to have your, fo- your first vaccine, that is likely where you're going to be invited to have the second one. The reason being, if you've had the Pfizer vaccine or the AstraZeneca vaccine, the, when you get invited for the second vaccine, you will have to go to the same centre where you got it, because one of those vaccines will be delivered for that group of people who will receive whichever vaccine they are, so not to cause confusion, they're going to invite people to the same place.
0: Thank you Krishna. The next question is from Daniel. Can you please advise how learning disability patients will be supported and prioritised to receive COVID-19 vaccinations?
1: Yeah, so uh, beginning of last week, it was announced that um, everyone who, um, is, uh, who has a learning disability uh, will now be prioritised as part of the current uh, cohort of uh, or, or Group 6. So I believe they are all being invited now to be vaccinated. And for those who obviously cannot come out, uh, they will receive their GP home visits, um, who will uh, undertake that uh, for what we call house bans or those who can't actually go out to have their vaccine.
0: That's great news. Thank you, Krishna. Um, Sally asks, I know vulnerable adults not yet called. Who should they contact to ensure they get the vaccination?
1: Uh, So, uh, everybody who is vulnerable should have been contacted. But if you think you are in a vulnerable vulnerable group and you haven't been uh, invited, I would suggest you ring your GP. Uh, I think, you know, there was this moratorium uh, until recently, uh, you know, don't call your GPs. Very clearly, I think the, the, the decision is you've got to ring your GP because if uh, you've been missed because, and, and you feel you are, you are known to be vulnerable and you've been missed, you should talk to your GP.
0: Thank you, Sally. I hope that helps. We've got some feedback from Galaxy Tab. I'm still experiencing lack of challenge by supermarket staff, including security guards of those not wearing masks. I've complained to local management and various supermarket headquarters, but to no avail. What the supermarkets say publicly is very different on the ground, sadly.
1: Mm. So Galaxy Tab, I hope you got a name. (laughs) So it will be nice for you. We will make sure you get an email here. Can you please let us know which which supermarket it is? Uh, Because uh, they're all visited regularly by our COVID marshals and uh if anyone is not actually uh following the guidelines that i put very clearly to them i would be happy to issue fines so
2: please let us know who they are absolutely sorry i i i may i don't know if anyone can hear me this is galaxy tab i'm not very great with zoom thank you that is really really pleasing um but i've got to say it's going to be quite a few of them because um uh, Liddles is the one that I've actually got a written reply from, and it's just rubbish. <laughs> really is. And I'm happy to share that at some point.
1: Can also. you please send it to the email we'll give you, please? Send, can you, if you copy your letter or, or take a picture of it and send it to us? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, even better. I need the evidence.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: Brilliant.
1: Thank you for that.
0: We've got a lovely message from Julie um, in the chat, Krishna, which says, Krishna, you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Love you. Thank you, Julie. I need a coffee as well, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) There's uh, lots of nods and smiling faces around the room, Krishna.
2: I
1: think uh, think I'll be honest with you. We're all doing a good job together. And I was asked um, something to write for the blog at work uh, uh, this week, uh, one of our local media person. And the one thing I did say was um, what I've discovered living here for two years is uh, what I never knew about Southend is the passion that people have in working for the community. And uh, and seeing so many of you regularly turning up here, you know, I, I get sort of a, a bit of a palpitation thinking, you know, I've got so much to think about and so many people supporting the work we are doing together. It's It just feels like we are a big community working together. And and I think I would like to um, very much not just thank you guys, but uh, be, be able to put something forward when we are asked to do so in terms of how well our community have responded and I know some of them do talk about it in the region, uh, despite the challenges we faced, and, and you know, we are a very compact community, because there's about 190,000 people living in, in South End, which is a very small area. Um, and the fact that we are we are doing better than other areas similar to us, yeah, I think is testimony to everybody's uh, dedication to help and support. I
0: agree, thank you, Krishna. I am aware that we are at seven o'clock, so if anybody did need to leave, you're welcome to quietly sneak off. Um, And then with your permission, Krishna, we'll just try and work through the rest of the questions. Is that okay? I'm happy, yes please. Brilliant, thank you for that. Um, Jackie asks, when do you anticipate our 40 plus year old parents can be vaccinated?
1: Uh, so I think what we will probably see is obviously, as you know, we are starting to approach the, uh, the, the start of the second round of the vaccine. Uh, so I, like you guys, I am wholeheartedly hoping that the, 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 the supply chain is going to increase uh, from next week. Then uh, hopefully by uh, the end of April, we would have completed those uh, over the age of 50. Uh, and then this will be highly def- dependent on um, how much the vaccine supply will be. Um, Remember, we're talking about billions of vaccines here that have been produced uh, for the world. Um, So everybody who is at risk uh, need to be, you know, it's not just about the UK, it's everybody who's at risk in the world need to start getting a fair share of those uh, to protect people. So I suspect what we will see is uh, towards the uh, the start of May, if not earlier, because to be honest with you, I never thought we'll reach 21 million now. If anybody asked me this question in December, I would say can't see it happening. If you remember, we all said we would get the second dose of the vaccine and finish it by the end of September. Now we're talking potentially by the end of July. So it's going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, okay.
0: Brilliant, thank you, Krishna. Um, Jackie's made a comment in the chat. When I booked my vaccine online, I booked at two separate venues. It was Rayleigh Mill and second will be at the Cliffs. I hope that will be okay.
1: Uh, I suspect you will end up, every vaccine has been coated so wherever you got the first one, the likelihood is the code will suggest that you will only be invited to the ones where you got the first one to avoid any confusion.
2: So will they change that? So will
3: they change that? Because uh, I've got okay. I've got my appointment for the second one.
1: Is it well in a different place?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so I So my I, husband. Yeah, no, it's okay. So because we didn't have the Cliff, if you remember when you had the first one, we didn't have the Cliff open. So what they've done is they repatriated people who went to Rayleigh Meal and Basildon Hospital from South End into the one point of access, because we did say we wanted it done locally as well. But you are going through the same system because Rayleigh Meal and the hospital belong to the NHS service, not to the GP service. All right. So
3: it's okay to go to the Cliffs for the second one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Thank
0: you. No problem. Thank you, Jackie. I can see that Simon's very kindly put the email address that we were talking about in the chat there. I'll make sure we share it with you after, but it's
1: environmentalhealth at
0: southend.gov.uk. Thank you, Simon.
1: We also know that uh, that Galaxy Tab's name is Michael. Hello, Michael. Hi, Michael. I prefer Galaxy Tab maybe, it's a bit
0: <laughs> different. <laughs> you can call me Galaxy Tab if you wish. <laughs> Will we'll do, thanks. Um, We've got a question from Daniel, um, which is: Can learning disability patients have their COVID vaccination during their LD annual health check?
1: Now, you you speaking the language I would like to speak. Um, ideally, yes, that's the way I would have preferred it to be. Uh, but the unfortunately, the health, health checks is run at a different time. But you know, if you think it's uh, going to be better to do that way. You might just want to have a, ch- a conversation with the GP to see whether that could be linked in. Uh, obviously, if it is somebody who got a more um, uh, severe than disability, then uh, it, they might be, you know, they might have their ch- health checks already booked, then ideally do it that time. We're going to have to plan differently for the third vaccine when, when we get there. And these are the kind of things I would want to take into consideration. So you're thinking ahead of me now.
0: Thank you Krishna and that's really useful thinking and ideas Daniel, we'd welcome you to send any other ideas or feedback that you have. Um, I can see that you've popped in the chat there, very informative links in the chat, thank you Simon, Daniel says, so thank you for that. And that was actually our last question Krishna for this evening. Um, If I can just thank you everyone for joining us before we hand over to Krishna to close. Um, It's fantastic to see so so much support by so many people in the community Um, and I really thank you for your time and everything you're doing to kind of support the efforts here in Southend. Um, And I'd also like to thank Simon, Emma and Kelly for all of their support and also Steph who's joined us this evening. And I'll hand over to you please Krishna.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, You know, uh, a big thank you for Roger to organize this and and for today, and a special thank you for Kelly um, for breaking the bank and making the the St. John ambulance happen for us in the school. Uh, It's a very long story. I won't bore you. Uh, It's the biggest battle I've had uh, in the last 10 days. Uh, So uh, thank you for putting the rabbit out of the hat, Kelly. Uh, Big thank you. I think um, you know, I, the, the message I will leave you with is, um, I think uh, we, we have to live with COVID. Uh, I, I've said that for the last uh, few sessions we, we've had. Uh, I think it's, um, it's important we, um, we consider uh, our, our behaviours and our habits uh, in going forward and, and try and take others with you on that journey as well, as much as you can, because you know I know that quite a few of you here uh, who are regular attenders uh, to these sessions. And um, so I look at you as um, you know, uh, our, our key uh, messages in the community in the same way that you, uh, you know, provide me with the intelligence that I need in terms of how we need to operate, what is not working, what we need to improve. Uh, I think uh, in return, it will be, it will be great if you, you, we, I see you as the champions in the community. So as community champions, if you can get the message out, uh, while we are all getting vaccinated, uh, the, the, the use of, of testing will remain our main uh, tool and weapon to try and, and defeat, this vaccine, uh, defeat this virus as quickly as we can. And uh, like you, I'm waiting for when we can leave restrictions. Um, it's been the one of the hardest things I had to do as public health uh, director to, uh, to support the, uh, the introduction restrictions on people's lives. Uh, it's been successful for us. We now need to work together to get out of it and hopefully never get back into it again. Uh, never say never. So, a big thank you to everyone. And remember, hand, face, and space is the motto we've got in and the motto we will live with. Thank mm-hmm. you.